This is episode 184 of the Focused Mindset Podcast. And it's time for part two of our three-part series on bullying. I loved my conversation with Stephanie and Michelle. And it made me think of a story that I had forgotten really until this conversation about a bullying situation that had happened a few years back. And I'm going to start this podcast with that story. Now remember, we're right in the middle of mid-conversation. So if you guys missed episode 183, you're going to want to jump up and listen to that so you get the full picture of what we're talking about. And then join us next week for episode 185, where we finish up this conversation and we really get into the nitty gritty of what works to eliminate bullying. You can jump over to eliminatebullying.com to learn more and let's get into this episode. This is the podcast where you learn how to build stronger connections and have better conversations using the solution-focused approach. I'm Cher Kretz. I'm a school counselor and a solution-focused life coach, and each week we learn new strategies so that we can build our families strong and be the person that we were always meant to be. You can learn more about our products and services by going to thefocusedmindset.com or hop over to Amazon to get 30 Days to Higher Hopes. figure that out. I remember one time I walked up to my office at another school I was at and the kids were lined up getting ready to go inside. And one boy who's looked, who at that time was looked at as the bully was saying, stop it or else, stop it or else. And so I just stopped and looked and all the other kids behind them were whispering and laughing and whispering and laughing and then doing the thing to get him fired up. And they knew what it was to get him fired up. And they knew that he would eventually pop off. And so I did some digging in that room. And the mom was one that was always saying, he's being bullied, he's being bullying. And it was kind of being written off as, no, he's the one being bullied. He's the one that's a bully because he does this, that, or the other thing. And, uh, and that just shows even in that one interaction, how long did it take me to observe that, to see that there can be a, a total problem with the power structure where all of these kids have decided that this one kid is the one they're going to pick on. And yeah. as soon as light comes to it, it's like, what, what, you know? So I think it's so important for us to understand that it doesn't matter if the kid is acting out or even doing bullying type of behavior, there could be bullying on them. And this was clearly happening. Once I dug into it, it was a serious issue. Uh, the yeah. kids were having a ton of fun making sure they could get the poke the bear, if you will. You know, yeah. um, have you guys ever come across something like that where just by identifying this, you saw that it was actually bullying that was uh, being misdiagnosed as something else or something like that? That happens all. It happens all the time, <laughs> and I think what you are talking about, there's a lot of misconceptions around how to define it. So hopefully you noticed in when Stephanie was explaining the definition with RIP, she wasn't really talking about behaviors, but you see that a lot in the definition, like threats, gossip, rumors, like cyberbullying, or 
you know, doing stuff. And so usually the behavior itself gets defined as bullying, but we don't really tend to look at the relationship. And what you were saying, how he was like, you know, stop it or else, stop it or else. Someone overhearing that, some other staff member could have easily have perceived that as threats. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, that's bullying behaviors because he's threatening the kids. Stop it or else. Mm -hmm. But they're not looking at, okay, what's leading him to say that? What's the what's the relationships like between the kids? Um and so a lot of times our staff, they might say, oh, bullying's only um, one-sided. So you can't get bullied. You can't be getting bullied if you're doing something back to the kids that are bullying you. That's a lot of misconception. I think that's what makes it so tricky. Like when we come in to support the site, they're like, but this can't be bullying because the kid is standing up for himself or the kid is saying things back or he's throwing rocks or he's making threats. But then we have to also remember when you look around, especially like um, this month when it's, you know, the national national bullying prevention and intervention month, you hear a lot of slogans like the buzzwords about bullying, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like stand up to bullying and everything is like, stand strong, stand up. Right. And then um, you also see a lot of um, out things out there like teaching kids comeback lines or how to stand up for themselves. Don't let anyone bully you. But then when when the kiddo is responding and they're saying something back and it looks aggressive, but they're really trying to stand up and stand strong against it, then it's perceived as bullying. So that's why we don't tend to look a lot of with focusing on the on the behavior itself. We focus um, heavily on the RIP. Mm hmm. And yeah, looking at that because power. it doesn't wrong any any one person or behavior. It says, do these three things exist? Yes. You know, in that case, and in a lot of cases, uh, there's such a strong, the power is that all of these kids look at things one way and this one kid looks at things a different type of way. Mm -hmm. And no matter what they say or do, they can't get out from under it. You yeah. know, and as a counselor, I've I've witnessed too many of those. I've actually said as a parent that there's very few reasons that I would change schools because I know with my kid I, that I would grab my kid and take them out of a school because I feel as though it's so important for them to learn how to deal with their social world and that dis changing schools disrupts them. Yeah. But the one thing is for me personally is that power. And it's kind of like the only way you're going to be able to get away from this is to go somewhere else because these kids are so pervasive. And, and it so, doesn't matter how many comeback lines he has right. or how much he stands up to it. That mm. power is very real. It's and a real thing. Once, once he's outnumbered and these kids have a power over, it's not a shared power anymore, then it's, it's, it's unfair to expect him to be able to like address it and fix it by himself. That's right. really actually unfair. Yeah. And let's, and, and not to mention the fact that sometimes, and if you're listening to this, I'm not, I'm a judge. I know that this is what, where we get sometimes that they're getting advice from an older brother, sister, even parent to say, pop them. <laughs> if they can't <laughs> talk to you, fight back, you know, and you're like, I get that. These are our kids. We care about yeah. them. We, I don't judge any, anybody for all of those reasons. Cause I get it. It's hard. 
I mean, our families are doing the best they can. Mm-hmm. So even though a lot of times the advice isn't helpful, um, it comes from a place of care. Like I, I can't be there with you in your class. I can't be there with you on the playground or in passing period. So I'm trying to equip you to, to be safe. But our schools do the same things. They mean well, but there's a whole lot of a whole continuum of practices that are really dominant and it's not effective. They're running around doing a lot of things because they care about the students, but then the students are still suffering. Yeah. Yeah. So when we step back, just to kind of like think about this first subject of honoring the fact that this could be bullying or it could not be bullying. What about when a child, when somebody's saying it's bullying and it's not bullying, how do you approach that to be like, we're going to handle this differently? You know, when you've realized, wait a minute, they're calling this bullying, but really they have the same power. How do you approach that? So first, when we're talking with parents often, and like, I'm a parent, I have four kids. So how I talk to parents is how I want to be talked to. And I know that when there's a problem at school, I just want it to stop. I just want the problem gone. So that's why I'm calling the school to like, get rid of the problem, right? So call it whatever you want, get rid of it. (laughs) And that's really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. Parents, parents think like, I have to use the buzzword for you to take it yes. seriously. And oh, yes. that's true. That's so true. Everything often is bullying and that's okay. And we, Michelle and I share with the parents who said, whatever the problem is, whether it's bullying, whether it's conflict, if it's something different, we will offer an intervention that will help get the problem to stop. And have your kid want to come to school and and feel safe to come to school. And often, like, all of our parents are like, okay, like, just, but call me back and tell me what's going on. Because they just want the problem to stop. So when we explain it to parents after we're finished meeting with, with the kiddos, we will go and explain how do we assess for bullying. We share the RIP definition. And... And interestingly enough, parents will be glad that it's not bullying because, yeah, there is still a problem, but we're going to help with a solution and an intervention. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so they're more open to hear, oh, okay, what what are you going to offer? And mm-hmm. then with the kiddos that we talk to, this it it's mostly the same thing. When we get down to the the end of our conversation, we always share, you know, you could, you could probably do nothing (laughs) or we have this that we can offer you. We have this intervention and this is what it would look like. Mm -hmm. Would you be interested in, in doing this? And whether, whether it is an undercover anti-bullying team or whether it is restorative mediation, they're like, oh, okay. And we just share what's that, what that's going to look like and that we're really transparent with our kiddos. So they know because we want to walk alongside them, right? Like just like that quote that you mentioned, we're doing it with them. So they need to know exactly what they're getting themselves into for this intervention. Trust their story. They, they're going, they're Mm -hmm. the ones going through it. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are living in it each day. And so 
rather than it's good for us to have in our mind thinking, okay, what is actually happening here? But at the end of the day, honor the fact that they're struggling, you know, whether it is bullying or not, they're struggling. And so how can we help them? If we're talking to a, a parent or a, or a family member that they just don't know what to do anymore, their kid's crying, they're upset, they're always upset about this. What would be some of you guys' advice of how they can help their kid? The first question for me is always what happened? What's going on? And getting their story, um, really picking out those feeling words and reflecting back what's what they're feeling and the reason behind like like the cause of what they're feeling. Yeah. So if um, my daughter is having a, an argument with her best friend every single day. They go back and forth and she's like, mommy, I broke up with my best friend today. You know, what happened? Okay. Or I don't want to go to school because I'm not sure my best friend is going to be my best friend. Yeah. What, what's been going on? What, tell me what's been happening every day at recess mm -hmm. so that then at least I'm prepared or I have this little bit of background so as a parent, I can share either with a teacher or the counselor and say, hey, can you like maybe have that supervision at lunch recess, yeah. right? Or could you pull, pull my daughter in to have a conversation? Because maybe there might need to be a mediation. Like they, mm -hmm. need, they might need to have a conversation about what's been going on because she doesn't like going back and forth every day and yeah. wondering if they're friends or not. I kind of think that, it would be, I think this is the same advice that we could give the teachers too, mm -hmm. you know, rather than jumping right into, all right, you guys are all heading to the office. Just yeah. take a minute to be like, what happened? And giving them a voice that mm -hmm. alone is huge. You know, just they, now I have a voice of someone that will actually hear me where I'm at. I had an amazing teacher here that took a step back and did that. Uh, recently. And I applauded her so much because she could have gone on automatic pilot and just been like, all right, this is ridiculous. I got an email from the parent. Let's do this. But she just asked what happened. And the story that she came and told me was so much different than if she wouldn't have done. So I think it's just that that's a really important thing for us to pause on because we forget the power of that. The problem is the problem. Right. Um, and that's not to be, you know, you know, Stephanie with solution focused, you know, we don't want to be having problem talk, right. but that's not <laughs> having problem talk. That's just saying we're not making it about you because people automatically take it personally. That's not saying that we're focusing on problem talk because we do want to focus on solutions, but right away, letting them know what happened. Um, that's, that's the beginning of like what we would consider our, our first like part of the investigation. A traditional investigation would be like, I need evidence that this kid is getting bullied. Oh, that's I need true. To get incident statements. I need to interview everybody in the class. I need to call mm -hmm. school police. And then and then sometimes at the end of all that harm that now has been done, um, they'll be like, Well, I didn't find any evidence. And I <laughs> I think back to your story with the that kid who was like you know, stop it or else, stop it or else. Imagine if we went through like this traditional investigation where we talk to every kid in the class. Of course, they're going to cover for each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, hey, are kids messing with this this one student? They're going to be like, no, he just keeps yelling at us. Stop it mm -hmm. or else. And he's like getting crazy. And, and that's what we find is when we go that route instead, like, okay, I'm not... 
I have to verify your story first before I do something, that's when we're actually causing more damage and harm. And what um, we do, what Stephanie and I are saying is, know that we have that first interview with care and we're validating and acknowledging what they're going through in their experience. So it's not just, okay, we're going to get stuck in this problem talk and how you're getting bullied and harassed and oppressed. We don't want to be stuck there. Mm -mm. We just want to validate and acknowledge the pain and what they're experiencing. And then by the end of that interview, we've already shifted the conversation to the hope and the future and the wish. And then the rest of the intervention is now built on those hopes. That is, it's such a much better way to go about it. It's so much more just really kind to the whole process, you know, because this is not an easy thing to go through. Now, let's talk about the actual, somewhat about the interview, because you got your, you guys is the way that you talk to the students about the problem is so different than what I witnessed and many, and what you guys have probably witnessed, like you just alluded to. Usually it's like, okay, everybody write down their statement. Now let's get into the statement. But when you're talking to kids, I want us to discover what are some questions that people should stay away from and what should they stay say instead? So when we're talking with with students and we meet with them, we ask them, just like we talked about at first, like that problem story, like what has been happening. And we know that kids don't start at the beginning. So sometimes we have to play around with um, what happened before that, how, what came before that, oh, what did they say before that? And we're just getting this really rich picture of everything that has happened. We also ask, um, how has it affected you? And depending on their age, they might not understand what effect means, right? Like, so for the littles, we typically say like, you know, what does this get you to do? What does this bullying get you to say? What is it? How does it get you to treat other people when it's happening? Um, What does it get you to think about yourself when this is happening to you? We ask all of these, like all that area, that impact, right? That is, um, that's the, the rich story of all facets of their life. So we can understand kind of the damage that the bullying has caused. And then we also, um, Michelle and I tend to scale the problem. We ask the student to scale the problem. How strong is this problem? How big is it? Mm -hmm. If you could put it on a scale, how heavy would it be? Or um, if they're, if they're little kids, like if, is it a grain of sand? Is it really small? Is it nothing? Is it, or is it like this huge mountain that you can't even see over and past? I love those Um, word pictures. Yeah. So we, we really try to get them to kind of um, to share what how how strong this problem is to them visually um, and a little more concretely, but it's how they perceive that problem to be, how strong they perceive it to be. And sometimes we're really surprised that maybe they might rate it lower than like what I would rate it. Like, I think this is really bad. (laughs) And you're rating this a four. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, but then 
that just also says a lot about how normal it is for them, like how they've normalized that that behavior toward them. Like this isn't anything compared to maybe what it used to be or something like that. So, um, and then we ask them, what would it look like? How would how would it people interact with you if that problem was a zero? And what would you, how would you prefer things to be between you and the people who are doing the bullying? And, and we ask them like, what would it look like if you were walking down the hallway and you saw them, how would they treat you when you're walking through the hallway and passing period? Or if you were in a group with them and you're in elementary school and you had to be in a group with them, how would you, how would you work with them in your group? And how would you want them to work with you in the group? And so that's their preferred story. So we get this really rich kind of picture about it. Um, we, when we do have um, things not to say, we have some recommendations. And um, especially for educators, because sometimes... Um, sometimes our, our egos get in the way. Sometimes we have the best intentions, but we always have to remember this isn't about us. It's about the kids. So when Michelle and I will come in and, um, to, to schools, we might hear, uh, that, that when students share their story, counselors might say, or, um, even staff admin might say like, I just talked to you. Like last week, I just talked to you last week. How come you didn't tell me this last week? And and it's like, oh my gosh, like, yes, I could have done something last week. But also that I'm student. Now. Yeah, that student is sharing now. And sometimes they're with their parent. So it's not because they wanted to come to, to say anything or share their story. It's because the parent got involved and they came to our department and, and the parents like, you need to do something about this. So that's why we're calling the student out. And that's why they're sharing now. Isn't so, it interesting, like to pause right there for a minute, right? Michelle, you had something to add about that? Yeah, I was, I was going to um, piggyback on the ego piece. I think if we remind ourselves that they, it's not that the student didn't trust me personally. Like yeah. it's like, oh, I'm not a good counselor. Or I'm not a good teacher. It's nothing to do with that. No. The shows like 80% of the bullying that's happening never gets reported. So it's only between like 20 to 30% that even get reported. And it's because of all of the ineffective things usually that have been done in the past that now the kids, they're like, oh my gosh, the grownups are going to make it worse for me. Or so, it won't help. Like yeah, you hear not that. Gonna help. So then I just not going to report it. And then they mm-hmm. end up suffering in silence. And, it, and in truth, a lot of times, because their social world is so intertwined, it won't help. You know, they feel what they're feeling is a valid feeling that they've seen happen. So they believe that. It's a narrative that they truly, truly believe. So I do find that that is doing what you were saying, Stephanie, is this moment that you say, oh, uh, wait a minute, you didn't talk to me last week. Right there in that moment, you just flipped it and made it about you. Yeah. And right it's there. unintentional. It happens that fast. It's, yeah. It happens that quick because your thoughts yeah. are, oh, I've been working on this problem for a week and you didn't come talk to me. And it's such an automatic yeah. thing. Yeah. And I think that uh, teachers, yeah. educators, and parents alike 
or make that mistake because then immediately you're in danger of shutting the child up. Yeah. Yep. Right. And because you made them wrong. You put the power, you put the yeah. picture on you to say, you haven't been talking to me about this. And then they're like, then the, then the question becomes, why aren't you talking to me? Not what am I going through? Right. right. And then it's, it's like we derail our own conversation. Right. Oh and my it's, I think gracious. it's really unintentional because we're in a helping profession. Like at the, like we came into this profession to help and to serve. Right. And so it's just like that I think is the piece of it. Like I've, I've been here. Like I want to help you. I've been here. Bob, and you didn't tell me. Yes. I mean, yeah. I think there's a time and place for that conversation. It's not yeah. just right in the moment. Like there's probably a time to circle back and say, Hey, in the future, right. I'm here. You I'm know? here for you. Instead of right. why didn't you tell me? It's more reassuring them that I care about you. So yeah. if, if this happens in the future, like, please let me know. That's yeah. a lot different than like now you're, it's almost blaming and shaming that you didn't feel comfortable to say it before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like what you guys said. It's like, it's unintentional because the intention right. is, oh my gosh, but that's not the way it come across to them. To them, right. it comes across like I screwed up. And they're mad at me. And no, I didn't come talk to you. I'm a bad person, you know? So it's so, that alone could just derail everything. <laughs> An unintentional light. So stay away from that. Like, why didn't you come talk to me, right? Mm-hmm. So what else is another thing that people should stay away from? There's um, another one that yeah. they is like, you know, they might call the kiddo out of class and and they start right with, I just want to make sure that you're okay. Ah. Uh, I just okay. want to make sure that you're fine. And so why that, why well, is that wrong? Or, you know, not And again, I, I think this is unintentional because again, we're coming from that caring and that help that helping heart and that place where we're like, okay, this is my job is to help. So it's it's now again about me because I just want to make sure you're fine. Right. And then of course the the perception from the student they're going to look at it like, okay, the agenda now is to make sure I'm okay. So now I'm feeling that pressure that I have to be okay. Uh, And what does okay mean? I mean, I'm getting bullied, but I'm alive. Does that mean I'm uh, okay? Because I'm at school. I mean, I'm not bleeding. So does that mean I'm okay? So then now that's the focus of the conversation is you're okay, right? And especially a kid that doesn't like the attention on them. They're like, I'm okay. You know, just fine. Mm hmm. Yeah, everyone's making fun of me last period, but I guess I'm okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And after a minute, like, how can you ever get the story from there? Right. If you start with, I'm just making sure you're okay. That doesn't even invite me to share anything that's Mm -hmm. Anything. That is so true. That's so true. I'm sure I've made that mistake. (laughs) I'm sure I made both of those. And I'm so glad that I could be more intentional. But even with all of our best intentions, we could slip into being that. And then it's like a matter of catching ourselves. And it's a matter of being like, okay, that didn't send the right message. It wasn't, I didn't mean to, but I'm going to move, I'm going to send a different message moving forward. Right. And what should we say instead? When it flows through our mind where we're like, I just want this kid to come in and I want to see if they're okay. What's a better way how are we going to figure that out without saying, I want to make sure you're okay? You can yeah. ask. Go ahead. You guys are both like, who's going to say it? Who's going to say it? Who's going to 
guys are such a great team. I love it. <laughs> um, so we we stick to open ended questions that just invite possibilities instead of just closed um, yes no kind of kind of responses. So we always go back to what Stephanie was saying, like you know what's going on, what happened. Tell me how the kids are treating you. So that way, regardless of if their day is okay or if it's not okay, we are letting them know that it's okay to share that with me because I just want to know how things are going, whether it's whether it's great or whether it's not great. Okay. I'm curious so, and I want to know. If they, they think I want to find out if they're okay and the way I go about that, what open-ended question can I ask yes. them? You know, that's a really good, that's a really good thing to throw as a reminder, you know? Mm -hmm. So what about the other one we spoke to that's so true? Oh, um, what can we say instead of, you never talked to me about this before, like to stop it, but also get, and we already kind of talked about that, but what are some ways that we can approach the situation when we do feel a little triggered? Well, I think part of that is taking a deep breath and remembering, just like you said, Cher, it is it's about the student, right? And, and they're, these are kids. They're like K-12 students. We are adults and they're coming to us and they're sharing this like horrible thing that's happening to them or things that have been happening to them. And it's really important to just acknowledge. So to say, thank you for having the courage to tell me what you're going through or Thank you for sharing all of this with me and trusting this with me. Yeah. yeah and so we beautiful. keep it to, to them. And, and then can... even if like Stephanie um, said earlier that sometimes they didn't share, it's like parents are with them and they're like, tell them, tell them what you told me. Right. And so maybe they, mm-hmm. they didn't actually come forward, but we still have to come from a place of empathy and share and, and express like, I know this is difficult for you to talk oh, about. Yeah. I know this is really hard. Like I understand that this is, this is, it takes a lot to be able to share what's happening. Right. Um, right. So it's just really putting yourself in their shoes. Yeah. You and, don't want them to feel attacked yes. because they're talking about something that's already so hard, uh, difficult, mm-hmm. challenging. Yeah. 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 And I hate it that, you know, so many times they'll feel like I'm telling, you know, I'm telling on them. I'm narking, you know, and And they're worried about that. They're worried. Right. Right. And, and just you being able to be like, this is courageous of you just to share it. You know, Mm -hmm. is there times when you have to reassure them that you're going to be careful with that information? Like, how do you make sure that you ease their mind? All the time. Um, So we know about there's this whole culture of like, you know, you um, snitches get stitches and the kids, they don't want to be known as a rat. They don't want to be known as the one that's tattling. They're very worried about that. And we understand that there's retaliation that happens. So we know that a lot of times when kids do report and then a whole bunch of stuff happens that's not really restorative and not really helpful, that sometimes the bullying does get more vicious or it becomes more subversive. So we will just be really open and transparent with the kids that we talk to and we'll tell them we are very mindful about that. And we would take their story with such care 
to make sure that we don't do anything that puts them in more danger or puts them in more harm. So we always tell them, we're not going to go to whoever the kid's name is. We're not going to go to so-and-so and so-and-so and tell them like, oh, I know you've been messing with this kid and, and I know what you've been doing. And we actually tell them like, we would never do that to you. So we would never, we, we want you to know that every decision that is made from this point on that you get to decide what happens and we don't do anything that you don't feel comfortable with us doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, such a sensitive subject, Yeah, you know, and I think you guys have probably become so like, even before they open their mouth, you can just see their body language that they're either worried or they're feeling like they have no voice and that kind of thing. I'm picturing that child sitting there being like, wait a minute, maybe they're actually going to hear me here. You know, something different than before. That's when we tell them that we do have this really unique intervention. And that is a cliffhanger that I'm going to leave you at. I bet you cannot wait to hear episode 185. Yeah, they're going to break it down. This unique intervention, they're going to give us an example of a student that they've worked with and uh, probably one of my favorite parts of this conversation coming up next time. But for now, it's so amazing for us to learn the type of sensitivity that we need to have when we're dealing with a child's story and what goes into the process of building trust. And... um, As we move about our week, at least for me and what it made me think about re-listening to this conversation is that I want to be more careful with people's stories and their emotions. And I want to honor the place that they're at in a brand new way this week. And I think we can do that with our loved ones. And you may have noticed in the show notes that I left you there a quick link so you can go straight over to find Michelle and Stephanie. But you can go over to eliminatebullying.com. That's eliminatebullying.com. They have an amazing free resource. They can give you an upcoming training in February. You don't want to miss out on getting the full picture of this amazing intervention. Thank you for listening. Many of you guys know that coming up here in November, if you're listening in real time, I'm going to actually be speaking at a TEDx event, doing my first talk at a TED Um, venue. And I've been preparing it. I've been working on it. And I'm ready to name it. It Needs a good title. Now, those of you that know about TED Talks, if you want to help me pick a title, I'm going to be putting out a survey in a few days um, about mm, basically getting your advice. (laughs) I need to title this. So I have three top titles. I'd love to get you guys' vote on which one you think is best. So if you're not already on my list, please hop over to thefocusedmindset.com. Click on the Hope Notes. I want you in there. I want you a part of this journey with me. And also, if you're already on my email list, keep a careful eye out for an email from me so I can get your input. And um, you can always email me anytime. So uh, keep your eye out for that. And it's time for me to get going. So until next time, live solution focused. Before you go, don't forget to check the show notes where I'm going to leave the links to my social media and the different places you can find me. And I want to invite you to be a part of my 
email community. It's absolutely free. And this year I'm doing so much writing and so much reflecting, and I want to send things directly to you. I send the special notes to my email community and you can email me right back. You have a direct line to ask me questions without any barriers of a website or anything. Check the show notes for that link or go to thefocusedmindset.com. And if you click on getting the journal prompts, you also automatically are able to be a part of my community. And if you're interested in supporting this program, there's three ways to do it. One, make sure you're following this program so it comes up as one of your favorites. Two, share it either on your social media or with someone you love straight to their email. And the third is to leave a review. And I love reading those. By supporting this program, we're helping people be solution-focused. See you next week.